way I know is, is that obstacles pop up in front of me, trying to slow it down. And that is what has been happening today. So I know we're on the right path. As I'm struggling right now to pull up my notes. Okay, I think we're here. All right. This is Wilderness Training, and the title of today's message is Into the Wilderness. And our text is going to come from Exodus 13 and 17, and you want to turn there, and you can kind of keep your finger there, because we're going to revisit it a few times this morning. Exodus 13 and 17, And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines. For although that was near, God said, Least peradventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea and the children of Israel went up and harnessed out of the land of Egypt. Now let's just go back and, and uh, recap a little bit about what was happening with these people. Now they had had a God-focused life to a point. Now after the time of Joseph, they kind of lost that God focus. And through that, they fell out from the favor and protection of God, and they became enslaved by the Egyptians. Now, just because that they forgot about God didn't mean that God had forgotten about them. So we live in the technological area. We have Google Maps. We have MapQuest. We have Waze. We have Apple Maps. Face it, if you've got cell phone service, you've got a way of finding directions. There is no need to be lost in a directional sense. We don't need turn-by-turn directions anymore. We just need an address, and it'll tell us where to go. Now, if you've used any of these programs, or perhaps many of them, you'll notice that all of them have one thing in common. Once you put that address in, it's going to give you the fastest route, the most direct route, the quickest way to get there. That is their default setting. Now, it's pretty neat. If you want to change things up a little bit, if you want to add a stop along the way, if you want to take and avoid interstates, if you want to avoid toll roads, if you want to take a more scenic route, you can do that with just a few clicks. But the thing is, always through its default system, it's going to go in and it's going to tell you the fastest way to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. So, uh, when God... He wasn't using any of these programs. He had it his own way. And he decided that the fastest route was not the, the best route. Because he, he's not worried about the destination. He knows what the destination is. And in fact, if you're a born-again believer, you know what your destination is too. Our final end result is heaven. But the thing of it is, right now, we're not worried about the destination. The destination is not important. We'll get there when we get there. It's the journey is what we've got to worry about right now. And that's what God is wants for us too, is to worry about the journey. 95% of all diets fail. Either fail to lose the weight, 
fail to keep it off, fail. We're uh, almost through March. And uh, if you've paid attention to some of my past studies, you know that New Year's resolutions are all but all failed at this point. Almost all of them have failed. And by next month, the ones that are still going, a lot of them will fall off too. So let me ask you something. Have you ever got your car and started out somewhere and then you wound up not going to that destination? In fact, you just turned around and came back home. Maybe you weren't feeling good. Maybe the weather turned nasty and it was raining too hard. Maybe the traffic was too bad, but you, for some reason, you gave up, turned around, and came back. Have you ever stopped before you ever really got started? Maybe you're thinking about taking a trip. But then you think about all the work involved with taking that trip, all the things you got to pack, all the things you got to do before you go, the cost of what it's going to take to go there, and the distance you got to travel. And after you take in consideration all these things, you think about, well, maybe it's not really worth it, and you just call the whole thing off. We quit a lot of things, but why is it that we quit? One thing is, we get out of our comfort zone. We're out of the area that we're used to and feel pleasant in. And we get overcome by fear. Fear of the unknown, what's going to not happen or not happen. And things simply just get hard. And when things get hard, we're out of our comfort zone and we're consumed by fear. We're uncomfortable. In my past careers, I've seen people, numerous people, that they'll leave the job they're doing. Perhaps to go to another job, do something different, another agency. Or perhaps they take a promotion. They do a different job. But yet, what happens is, they wind up coming back to do what they did before. They demote down. They come back. They come into the same job because something got hard. And they came back to what was comfortable, what they knew, and what they'd been doing before. I told you we're going to tap this a few more times. So Exodus 13 and 17. And it came to pass when Pharaoh let the people go that God led them not through the land of the Philistines, although it was near. Because God knew they would repent when they seen war and they would return to Egypt. You know, that sounds kind of crazy. These people were enslaved. They were slaves. They were told to do everything they would do by somebody else. They had no freedom. They worked hard. They had no benefit of being a slave. But yet, because of fear, they would go running back to what they knew. But you know, this happens every day in modern society. People get out of prison. They've been in there for numerous years. They come back out. They're free. They're back into society. And what do they do? They go and commit a crime again for the simple reason of being returned back to prison. Because this life out here is so different. It's challenging. They want to get back to what they know. It just speaks volumes about how powerful fear can be. It can return you to slavery. It can return you to bondage. 
That's some powerful stuff. We have something that's more powerful. We have faith. Faith, that mountain moving, dead rising, water parting, backed by God, faith. Now, every Tuesday, before we get started, we have prayer requests. We pray over these prayer requests. And every Sunday, I ask for hands to go up for special prayer requests. Almost forgot today, but we got it. We, uh, we ask for that. And every Sunday we have, every Tuesday we have prayer requests. And we hear a lot of the same ones over and over again. Every Sunday we have hands go up. 1 John 5 and 13. These things I have written unto you, that if you believe on the name of the Son of God, ye may know that you have eternal life, and ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. And it is in confidence we have in Him that we have asked anything according to His will, He hear us. And that if He hear us, who should, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of Him. So God hears us and answers us. Hebrews 6 and 17, wherein God, willing more abundantly to shew upon the hearers of promise, the immeasurable of the counsel, confirmed it by oath, by two immutable things, which is impossible for God to lie, which we have strong confidence that who have fled to a refuge lay hold of the hope he set before us. So God is telling us that if we believe in him, we have faith, we ask for something in his will, it will be heard and answered. And this is so an insoluble truth because God cannot lie. So why is it it seems that sometimes that God is not hearing or not doing anything? Well, folks, the problem is not with him. He is the same yesterday today and tomorrow. He doesn't change. He doesn't waver. He will never leave nor forsake thee, and he has a hope and a future for us. So the problem is not with God. So if the problem is not with him, then the problem has to be with us. And that is why we need training. As a born-again believer, you're going to heaven. That's a done deal. There is so much more than simply going to heaven or hell. We have a proverbial promised land right here, right now, in this lifetime here on earth. And it is in the form of peace treasure and reward that only the kingdom of heaven can provide. Now I want to show you something. We're going back to Exodus 13 to 17 again. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let his people go that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines. For although it was near, God said, at least peradventure of the people repent and they see war and they will return to Egypt. But God led the people through the way of the wilderness and the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up, harnessed out of the land of Egypt. Now, these people, they were not warriors. They were not military people. They had been slaves all their lives. That's all they knew. They do what they were told. They worked hard. They were abused. 
They were not treated properly. They were slaves. Follow orders, hard work, repeat. They didn't know how to fight. They didn't know how to battle. But you see, God didn't say that they would lose the battle. God didn't say that they weren't ready to fight. It wasn't their lack, their lack of anything that was their problem. It was their lack of faith. It was their fear. He knew that that fear would be what would drive them back. They didn't have a skill problem. Most of us don't have a skill problem. We have a faith problem. See, they had God on their side. And God had just marched him out of Egypt. And he destroyed Pharaoh's army with nothing more than a stick. Exodus 14 and 13. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will slew to you to the day. The Egyptians, whoever has seen the day, thou shalt see them again no more forever. And 14, For the Lord shall fight for you, and he shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Therefore, it out unto me, Speak out unto the children of Israel as they go forward. But thy lift thy rod, and stretch out thy hand over the sea, and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground in the midst of the sea. If you jump down to 23. And the Egyptians pursued, and they went in after them in the midst of the sea, even all of Pharaoh's horses and his chariots and the horsemen. And it came to pass that in the morning, whilst the Lord looked at the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of the fire of the cloud, and troubled with the host of Egyptians, that he took off their chariot wheels, and they drave them heavily. So the Egyptians said, Let us free from the place of Israel, for the Lord... Frighten them against the Egyptians. And the Lord said on the moon to stretch out thy hand over thy sea, and the waters may come again upon the Egyptians and their chariots and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to his strength. And when the morning appeared, the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And when the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the hosts of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them, and there remained not so much as one of them. Wow. An entire army wiped out with a stick. I see, they had no enemy to fear. We have no enemy to fear because God will handle it. And the thing is, if they had that faith to believe that, the Philistines would have been no match for them. Just as when they came into the promised land, the giants that inhabited it would have been no match for them. So we're coming to the part of the sermon that you're not going to like too much. That part of self-reflection when we say, oh, jeez. See, we are no different than these Israelites. See, it's fun to read about them and all their shortcomings, but it's not there for our entertainment. It's our, for our reflection because we are no different. We have this tiny, tiny, tiny little bit of faith. And with it, we get a taste of God's goodness. But just like a glass of water after a wonderful bite of food cleanses your palate, the world, fear, and Satan cleanses our palate from that taste of God. 
There are people that don't want to believe that there is a Satan, that there is a hell. But both of them are very much real, just as real as you and me and just as real as God. John 10, 10 says, The thief come not but to steal and kill and to destroy. And I come that may have life and that they might have it more abundantly. It is no coincidence that tragedy follows triumphs. It's no accident that loss follows gain. Because Satan wants to take your eyes off the goodness of God. So when God's working in your life and something positive happens, your prayers are being answered, things are going great, that's when he wants to throw that monkey wrench in. This is why the wicked prosper. Satan's willing to let some wicked people prosper for a bit of time just so we can see it. And we can doubt and wonder why we're doing everything right and things are going so wrong and they're doing everything wrong and seems to be things going so right. It makes us doubt God. It makes us doubt the whole entire system because it doesn't seem logical. Matthew 17 and 20. And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, verily I say unto you, if ye have faith, the grain of a mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence yonder place, and it shall be removed, that nothing shall be impossible to you. You know, I like this verse. It's one of the powerful verses we can pull through and just see God's power and see how God's power is supposed to work through us. But the thing is, I think that we're, we're misusing it. We're misinterpreting it. We're not seeing why it's truly there. See, we see a mustard seed. We see that, how small that is. And we think, well, it just takes us a little bit of faith and we can do these great things. And we say that we believe. I believe. So I believe I must have a little bit of faith. I must have that little bit, that mustard seed faith, right? Because I believe. So why is that mountain not moving? And the thing is, is not that is that little bit of faith. Is that we don't have that little bit of faith. We don't even have the faith of a mustard seed. That's why our mountains are not moving. It's not to show us how much faith is needed. It's to show us how much we don't have. I don't want you to walk out of here feeling offended today. See, God, he gave Moses the law to show the people that they needed Jesus. To show all of us that we needed Jesus. And I believe this message is to show us that we all need work. I've already told you, I don't know where God wants me to go with this study. I know that it needs to be done. So, I'm not even going to give a projection about how long it's going to take, how long it's going to take to get through, or what we're going to go in the next couple days, weeks to follow. But I want to give you some homework to work on as we're moving forward. Just think about some things this week. Maybe we can answer some questions next week. I don't know. First question is, is simply going to heaven enough for you?
Are you done? At the end of your journey, have you got enough? Or do you want more? Do you want more out of your life? Do you want a better relationship with God? Do you want all that He has to offer? And if you do, are you willing to put the work in? Are you willing to understand what is needed of you and change? Are you willing to not flee when faced with fear? When the going gets hard? When there's giants in front of you? And you say you're a believer. What does that mean to you? What does it mean to be a believer? What are you believing in? These are questions that we have to answer. We have to answer in detail, beyond a shadow of a doubt. We have to know who we are and whose we are. I'm excited about this. I think there's a lot of little things that we're missing. The evidence of our lives is proof of it. Our mountains are not moving. We're not living in abundance. And God says we should be. So we have to find out where the misconnection is. And I hope that's what the study takes us through. Finding these misconnections and start changing in a wonderful and great way. I hope you all are join me on this adventure. Bow with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this. We ask you to help us to overcome and to overcome our fears, Father. Overcome our doubt. Just to give us strength. Open our minds, Father, our hearts to receive to let us have clear vision, Father, to take away the, the things of the world that's been programming us in a, in a negative way. It's been changing our outlook on life, changing our outlook of how you, Father, and how we're supposed to, to th- view things. We ask you for a hedge of protection for Satan, Father. We know that this, as we're approaching new things, Father, and, and seeing the light, seeing what you have for us, that he's going to come against us. He's going to throw up roadblocks and he's going to try to derail this train, Father. We ask for clear tracks. We ask for clear hearts. And we ask, Father, anyone that's not making that first step to accept your son, Jesus, that they'll do that for us everlasting too late. Father, we want to further the kingdom here. We want to share the good news, Father. We want to share your son. We want to see these seats filled. We want to see lives changed, Father. And we know that the only way we can do it is through you. We thank you for this and ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Page 17 in your hymnal.